Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world. In the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura, I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out at westminstereffects.com. And make sure you join in the discussion on the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Uh, John Ross, Westminster Effects artist, Augsburgian Christian, and sexy boat captain is not joining us today. <laughs> but in person, we do still have... Bradley Cox, uh, MVP of the Preaching League. Yes. And National Preaching League for that. National matter. Preaching League. <laughs> and currently consumer of many oranges. Yes, those things are delicious. They, man, those things do smell good. Um, kind of make me want I one I probably now. shouldn't chew in the mic. But yeah, I mean, they can get over it. It's getting uh, close to lunchtime. <laughs> I needed a little something. Um, so what did we do in church this week? That's actually also our 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 topic today, yes. um, where we've made some changes in our liturgical structure, if you will, um, where we've kind of gotten in, in a new rhythm. Uh, we've We've saturated things more with scripture, etc. Um, and that was really kind of the gist of the entire service was explaining what we've already implemented, where we were going to basically let people experience it, mm. then have their questions, <laughs> I guess you could say, yeah. and then explain it. Yeah, you and I have been talking for a while about just yeah. some consistency in w- things that we do on a on a weekly basis or a monthly basis mm-hmm. as far as like things like when we take communion we we've been pretty consistent with that but it mm-hmm. you know it felt like we had gotten off rhythm yeah um and some of that had been you know changes back and forth between doing two services on Sunday morning and then going back to one after we renovated our mm-hmm. facility you know there was which is uh, one of the best things that's that's ever happened. Yeah, Not just in great. this church, but period. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's been church. great. It's been great. Um but you know, we we did communion on certain weeks to try to help people that were serving um, you know, with the two service schedule, people that were volunteering mm-hmm. in various ways. We we were trying to make sure everybody got a chance to take communion once yeah, a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and so now we we've gotten Consistent with that, but also we've added things like, um, you know, some very intentional times of prayer in our service, uh, New City Catechism, which we introduced this week, uh, Confession, Assurance of Pardon, um, even things like stripping down the band a little bit and emphasizing the voices in our musical worship, uh, things like that. And so we've also done added things like when, little things, like when the sermon text is read, we... Whoever read the text, um, whether me or one of the other elders, this is the word of God for the people of God, and the, and the church's response is, thanks be to God. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just took an opportunity on Sunday to explain why we do all these things, mm-hmm. even all the way yep. back to we made the shift to expository-style preaching. Uh, Before about, I even arrived. Yeah, it was yeah. about seven years ago or so. Um, um, I just... Backed all the way up and said, "All right, why are we doing these things? Why, yep. why are these things important?" So uh, this is almost a decade in the making kind of service. Yeah, I mean, just you know, and I think I think that's good. I mean, it's it's you know, you you can settle in into one thing, but I think over time you need to adapt and change and kind of the uh, simper reformanda trying exactly. to be more scriptural as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we see something that's off, maybe we tweak it, or even if we see something that is scriptural, but we can do it better, 
yep. just finding a way to be more, whether it's efficient or effective or both, yep. um, whatever. Yeah. I, I just, I feel like we got people for 75 minutes a week in, in large part. And nowadays, if somebody attends church twice a month, that's a regular attendance. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to maximize those. That, that, that was the same word I had. Yeah. Uh, that maximize that. Like we got an hour and 15 minutes with people that with the church gathered a week now, and our church is like many now that we don't have Sunday night gatherings. Mm-hmm. Um, we do. We do have uh, small groups. We have small. Some groups. of those meet on Sundays. Uh, yeah. Mine meets on Wednesdays, mm-hmm. and and as far as I'm aware, our small group program is really really good and fruitful. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, it's not quite the same as having a Sunday evening service. It's not the same when the whole church gathers. There's something right. unique about that, I think. Um, I, I, I think, And I think you see in Scripture, and particularly in Acts, this large group, small group gathering thing taking shape uh, as the church grows. Yeah, yeah. Um, some churches are a small group, and that's okay. I'm okay yep. with that. Yeah, like, and, it, and it, our small group is basically a small church. <laughs> yeah, it's a small church, and... And, and that's fine, but when your church does get to a certain size, I think you have to have uh, large and small group gatherings. I right. think it's important to do both. Um, and so when we when the when the whole church gathers, that's only Sunday morning for us now, um, mm-hmm. and we just want to be really intentional about that. And I think we're committed to musical worship. We're committed to expository teaching, and we're adding some other things to just help people think. And feel rightly, live biblically, um, rehearse the gospel. Um, you know, it's it's just so so much about church nowadays that's focused on circumstantial stuff and and trying to help people have a better quality of life yep. in, in terms of life skill and and relational dynamics. And I'm not opposed to that. And I don't, I wouldn't even say that the Bible doesn't have anything to say about those things. But the primary purpose of the church gathered is to worship and glorify God. Yeah, that that was a huge point is the it's not just the music where that's kind of something that's it's really kind of slipped into our American Christian parlance is just referring to the the music as worship and then you might have a crappy motivational speech in the middle of it, you know. Um where where we worship with the word sung, the word prayed, the word read, the word preached. Right. Um, like the entire thing is worship. Well, and, and, you know, honestly, I grew up, the tradition I grew up in, mm-hmm. and I think it's true of other traditions as well, yeah. is that you, you did, you thought of the music as the worship, mm-hmm. and er, everything else that we did, either corporately or individually, yep. was something different. Yeah, you were and, learning or something like that. Right. As, and, as if learning isn't worship in itself. Exactly. And and I think, and, and again, I've talked with you about this. Piper really helped me with this when mm-hmm. he started talking about preaching. Obligatory Piper reference for us. Right. <laughs> He's, he talked about preaching as expository exaltation. That changed, that yep. really changed things for me mm-hmm. in terms of how I saw everything that we do in the corporate worship setting because yep. I had them in two separate categories. <clears throat> right. Um, and... So I think it, when you think of the, the word taught, the word prayed, the word spoken, the word sung, uh, and, and all of these things as part of our worship, yep. to me that, that really changes everything. Because it, it, for me, it was, I'm able to do these things in faith, not just as a discipline. Um, the, the discipline of learning um, now is a, 
a, a part of my worship. And, right. And that's important, I think, for all Christians. Yeah, I mean, it really even gets into like Romans 12, 1 and 2 is, you know, offering your bodies as a living sacrifice is your spiritual act of worship. Now, yep. uh, there may be some countering Gnosticism subcontext there, you know, here and there, but but at the same time, like, just the simple fact of you living for the glory of God is worship. Yep. Uh, now, obviously, that doesn't get into regulative versus normative or anything right, right. like that, but but if we're using the proper definition of worship of, of reverence or ascribed glory uh, to a functional God, a deity, mm-hmm. um, then... Literally everything you do should be worshipful at the very least. Exactly. Uh, it, it reminds me, I think I've told this story of the first time uh, I took Kristen to a Clemson game mm-hmm. in the lower deck. Yep. Uh, we had been to a game against, I think it was against like Georgia State, so it really didn't even count. And then in the upper deck, you just lose all of that atmosphere, right? right? Yep. But in that lower deck, it's so much louder. Uh, the atmosphere is just insane. And, and it was a conference game. It was against Duke. And Duke isn't that great, but it, it's still a conference game. Mm-hmm. A ton of people. is a night game. So people had been uh, indulging sure. <laughs> most of the day. Sure. And, and it was rowdy. And, and I think it was after, after they ran down the hill. And, you know, people are chanting. People are singing, whatever. And she looks at me. She goes, is this a cult? <laughs> and, and for some people, it is. They they do worship Clemson no, football. That's definitely true. Um, and you know, across the South, you have that, and that's a different discussion. Mm-hmm. But there is a sense of worship there, and it's not just singing. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, it's it's we love we love our Tigers. We love what Dabo's done with the program, mm-hmm. and and for some people, it goes overboard. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the same thing we see in church. Uh, we have our songs. We have. We have our liturgy. We don't run down a hill. <laughs> that might be a little bit weird if we entered by running into running down a hill in a church uh, and announcing, you know, here is your 2020 February 10th uh, uh, band. <laughs> Everybody busts in. But at the same time, we have a set order of things, and and that's just kind of our rhythm that we use to worship God. It's really sobering to think about the similarities. I mean, you go to a football game, and there's at Clemson, there's 80-some thousand people there, and they've spent the entire week, a lot of them, mm-hmm. reading the Tiger Net. Oh, yeah. Read, yeah. Looking at recruiting uh, chat, in, you know, in yep. recruiting chat yep. rooms and, you know, posting on these boards. Thinking and about the history, Frank Howard, Steve Fuller, and on and on. Thinking about the history. They get around the water cooler at work, so to speak, and they have little small groups yep. where they talk about football yeah. and they listen to the radio and they, they mm-hmm. just indulge in this and they abide. Yeah. Yeah. They, they abide in football and then they go. To the corporate gathering, yep, and there's a band, and it and it doesn't even necessarily have to be at the corporate gathering. It can be at your quote unquote online campus, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> With it you can watch it in here. That's yeah. exactly right. But there's a band there. Music is sung. Yep, chants are made. Yep, right. And there's, there's even a prayer involved. There's a prayer involved, and there's there's exultation. Yep, there's 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 enjoyment and delight mm-hmm. and and glory given. Yep, to this team that you pull for. And not that that's bad or wicked in and of itself. Obviously, if it you, if it's taken rightly, it should be 
it should be a parallel and a reflection of the kingdom of God. It right? should be. It should be. And as long as you don't make it an idol and realize that really that's the kind of relationship that Jesus has called us into. And that's what I talked about from John 15 on Sunday was Jesus calls us into an abiding kind of relationship that he metaphorically pictures as we're the branches, he's the vine, the father's the vine dresser. Mm -hmm. He's cutting away branches that bear no fruit and he's pruning fruit bearing branches so they bear more fruit. Right. What that says to me is that fruit bearing for the Christian is not an option. Right. And fruit bearing doesn't happen apart from Christ, apart from abiding in Mm -hmm. him and his word abiding in us. It is going to happen. It's going to happen if you're abiding. And I think the question that every Christian ought to ask is, how much do I want to abide? And how much fruit do I want to produce? Mm-hmm. Yep. Because if 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 I'm just again checking the Jesus box, I I mean I just almost feel like that John chapter 15, really that whole discourse. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about doing a series through John chapters 14 through 17. It, that is why, I, why are you going to hold out on the rest of the book? I, I need to just do the whole gospel, <laughs> but the elders have been after me to do a little bit shorter runs on things, but um, the 14 to 17 in the Gospel of John, I think, is the longest stretch of just listening to Jesus mm-hmm. in the Bible. In all of the Gospels? I think so. I, I, maybe the Sermon on the Mount is longer. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe like that Matthew 22 to 24 judgment type of stuff. Judgment, it might yeah. be. I don't know. But that it's just such a long stretch of Jesus just talking about, yeah. talking to his disciples. And, th- and this is, John 15 to 17 is more about the Christian life as opposed to like the judgment in Matthew 24. Exactly, exactly. Like it, it, yeah, maybe the Sermon on the Mount's longer. I don't know. But it, to me, it's so rich and so dense yeah. when yeah. he's talking to his disciples and then he prays for them. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of that is John 15, 1 to 11, where he says, abide in me and my, if my words... If, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, uh, ask whatever you wish, yeah, and it'll be done for you. And by this, my Father is glorified, and you will prove to be my disciples. Now, our, our that is a jerk. massive... And our verse. knee-jerk reaction is, oh, crap, Jesus is preaching prosperity. Right. Or, B- yeah. Because we've been exposed to so much of the nonsense, but that's not what he's saying. You <clears throat> had a really good explanation of that yesterday. I think the, the more, you know... It, I don't know. We'll just stay with the Clemson analogy. If the the more I abide in all things Clemson, the more my desires come in line with the values and purpose of the the football program itself. And so that when I ask for things, or, or if I were able to ask for things, my desires are in line with all things Clemson. And so it my requests are going to be you know, received positively in general more often. And I think that's a such a crude way to talk about what Jesus is saying, but the more his word abides in us, the more our desires come in line with his. Mm-hmm. And the more our desires come in line with his, that changes the way we pray. Yep. And we pray in line with the will of God, it's going to be done. Right. You know? Um, and I talked on Sunday about the fact that, you know, when you think of the Father uh, pruning fruit-bearing branches so they bear more fruit... Um, I, I, I tied this in with the catechism that we did on Sunday when yep. I said, imagine you go through a crisis this week and your first instinct is to pray, God, get me out of this. I think that could be spiritual fruit in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a fruit of a true believer, a true branch to cry out to God for help. But what would it look like for God, the vine dresser, to prune 
that fruit-bearing branch so that it bears more fruit. It might look something like the catechism we read on Sunday. Uh, what is our only hope in life and death? That we are not our own, but we belong, body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yep. So if that And that's rooted in Romans 14, verses 7 and 8. Mm-hmm. So if that word abides in me, if I, if, I, if I drink that in deeply and I face a crisis, we do that in worship on Sunday, and I, I, I engage in that catechism in faith, and, and I drink that in deeply, and then the crisis comes, I could still just cry out to God for help. God, get me out of this. Yep. And there's or, nothing wrong with nothing that. Nothing wrong with that. But what if what if God the the vine dresser took me a little he pruned me a little bit and he took me mm-hmm. a little deeper and and I I actually stopped and thought wait a minute my life's not my own what what might God want to do in me and through me in the midst of my suffering Yep yep and you start to read texts like Jesus saying if you want to be my disciple if you want to come after me take up your cross and follow me or when Paul was told when he begged for his thorn in the flesh to be taken away God's response was, my grace is sufficient, my power is made perfect in weakness. Or when you you see the Apostle Paul say that he wants to know Christ at the level of the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, and that knowing Christ in that way led him to count all his losses as rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, when, when that all that word is abiding in me and I face a crisis, I start to pray differently. Right. Because what here's what we know to be true from Scripture is that there's no carte blanche guarantee that God's going to immediately fix my circumstance yep. when I'm in crisis. But what there is a guarantee of is that his strength will be made perfect in my weakness, that his grace will be sufficient for me, yep. and that I could bring him glory by rejoicing in him in the midst of suffering. And if I pray for that, I'm guaranteed that that's going to be answered. Right. That's powerful. And I think that's what abiding means. And all these things we do in worship, I just don't think we should waste anything. Yeah. I don't think we should waste a moment when the church is gathered for worship. And... Um, all, all the elements that you include in your service, and for us, catechism or communion or confession, assurance of pardon, prayer times. We, we had the church write prayers yesterday. Yeah, that was pretty cool, even though I was holding a bass and couldn't really hold a pen at that moment. <laughs> yeah, it was so, and I, I got some feedback from people yesterday. They there really, was feedback on Facebook, even. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was, people really appreciated that, and... Um, I, I, it's because you, how do we often pray in church? Somebody grabs a microphone and yep. leads in prayer, and at the end of it, everybody says, amen. And, yep. and it's not that that's bad. That's great. That's awesome. But sometimes it's so easy for us to fly through things we're used to without thinking about it. So I just said, all right, here's what prayer time is going to be today. Mm-hmm. Take the, the, the insert in your printed order of service that has some blank lines and write down your prayer today. And I just, everything went quiet in the church for two or three minutes, mm-hmm. and people started writing prayers. And yep. I just, that's just an intentional way for us to engage with the living God and abide. Yeah, and, and last month, uh, that one of the cool things about this is we can focus these things, uh, you know, as as we see fit, where, right. um, where last month we had the whole Iran are we going to be in World War III situation? And we took a second, prayed for the country. That's prayed, right. Prayed for peace, prayed for our leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of what you think about the current administration or Congress or whatever, you should be doing that 
anyway. That's right. Um, so regardless of even who wins in November, um, not even to get political, just pray for your leaders. God yeah. said to. <laughs> so yeah. you should do it. So we did. Um, and that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then with the, uh, just, I guess we could just start walking through the other elements that we were incorporating, confession of sin and assurance of pardon. Uh, so what's our thought process behind that? Well, again, we go back to the Gospel of John. Um, chapter 13, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And he, Peter protests. And is like, Lord, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus says to him, um, if, if, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. Mm-hmm. And Peter's like, well, then wash my head and my hands, wash, wash my whole body, basically, yeah. then if that's the case. And, and Jesus says, no, those who are already clean don't need to be, they, they don't need a bath, is right. basically what he says, but only washing feet is necessary. Mm-hmm. And it's such a weird little... There's a lot of weird stuff in John. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird <laughs> statement from Jesus. And, and, but I think what he's saying there is that, because then you go to chapter 15, which is what I talked from yesterday, yep. and Jesus is talking about abiding and fruit bearing and the Father pruning and cutting away. But then he says, and I think it's verse 3, already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Mm-hmm. So when we do confession of sin and assurance of pardon, I think it's important for us to remember that we are made righteous by grace through faith, and that is a comprehensive, decisive work that God does. Yep. But clearly, Scripture points us to the need for ongoing confession of sin, Mm -hmm. ongoing repentance, and a turning to God, our treasure, our satisfier, our joy, um, and so when we do confession of sin, it's, it's a way for us to rehearse, like we'll, we'll read a text that really brings to the forefront of our minds the serious, deadly nature of sin. Right. I, I think that's essential. And then as we face that, as we face the deadly poison that our sin is, we, we, we turn to God in confession. We, we lament, we mourn, mm-hmm. we grieve that, that's really something that's missing from American Christianity right now. And I think it's so important. It's so deadly that we don't grieve the seriousness of our sin. Yeah. Uh, the gospel um, does not, it does not tell us that we should cease grieving our sin mm-hmm. and our ongoing sin battle. So I think when we read a text that, that really brings to the forefront of our mind that the wages of sin is death. Yeah, we need to grieve that. We need to wait, reckon with that, and then spend some time confessing the ways in which we have fallen um, in in recent days or week, and then to then turn to the gospel and read about our assurance of, of pardon, is that yep. He is the propitiation of our sins, mm-hmm. uh, and then celebrate the mercy of God. I think is just so good and healthy and necessary yep. for our lives individually. And so when we do that corporately. I think it just reinforces that for the individual. It's it's kind of rehearsing the the already not yet. Absolutely, it, it's, it's, we already are justified. We are made righteous. Absolutely, uh, we are seen as perfect. Uh, we but we are also being saved and being made perfect. That's right. So it's it's a both and both and and. and it's it's one. It's comforting mm-hmm. and and assuring to use the word that we're already using. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also gives us hope for the future. Yeah. 
um, the, the the fight's not over, so That's to speak. Right. Well, and and in some churches, the the assurance of pardon is referred to as the words of comfort mm-hmm. uh, in some liturgy. And um, you think about what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount: "Blessed are those who mourn; they will be comforted." Yep. And I don't think Jesus is talking about just mourning over. You know, my grandma died last month. Right. I think he's talking about mourning over the state of the world and our our yep. own condition and the effect of sin on us and on the world. Mm-hmm. Um, blessed are those who mourn. Right. They will be comforted. So those who actually look at our lives and our fallen condition and grieve uh, and turn to Jesus are going to experience the God of all comfort. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's important. That's that's a Regular part of the already but not yet citizens of the kingdom. Yeah. Uh, so other other um, one of them actually pertains to a uh, an Inquisition question. We'll go ahead and knock this one out uh, from Dustin Beeman, uh, where he asks why so many churches are afraid to turn up the lights during music, mm-hmm. uh, which is what we're we don't we already don't have it very dark in our other three weeks, but on that fourth week, we're bringing the lights up, we're turning mm-hmm. the volume down to highlight the corporate singing. Mm-hmm. Um, so why are we doing that? So why, why, do we, why, why would we highlight the, the actual congregation as opposed to the band uh, with those of us who may or may not actually know what we're doing musically? Well, for me, it's about <clears throat> reminding the congregation that the whole point is for us to sing and worship and glorify God together. Right. Um, I'm okay with the, the thought that having the lights dim a little bit does sometimes help people focus. Right. And, and, and there's less distraction. You know, people, when you get a large crowd together, people move around. They do things that could distract people's attention away from what we're singing. Um, so I'm okay with lights being dim. Mm-hmm. I don't love them really, really dark. Um, but I do think it's important for every church to somehow... I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Some, somehow reinforce that the point of this is for us to sing together. The point of us is to worship and glorify God together when we are gathered. Mm-hmm. The point is not to get fixated on what's happening on the stage so mm-hmm. much. And it's and it's not just a it's not about your personal moment with Jesus. No one's denying that that happens. No, it's yeah. But but at the same time, it's we come together as the body. There's it's, a great it's not number. just the organ. That's right. <laughs> There's a the great body. number of hymns and and modern worship songs that talk about our you know come come let us exalt mm-hmm. right. We're we're singing to one another. We're doing what yep. Paul talks about in Ephesians when you sing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual mm-hmm. songs. There's a, there's a very biblical aspect to worship that is I in my singing and in my exaltation I'm calling you to join yeah. me. Yeah. And um, we we need that. And I think turning the lights up for us, we turn them up more than they are normally up mm-hmm. uh, one Sunday a month. Uh, yep. Our lights are dim probably compared to some, like the church that's meeting in our building on Sunday nights. They just have them full blast they, anyway. They're, they're not quite full blast, but they, they are much more um, less theatrical. Yeah. And... We we have our lights a little dimmer three Sundays a month, but one Sunday a month we've just started to turn them up just so we can, and 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 we turn the band down. Right. A lot of modern worship music is so band heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in the days where most churches 
at least had a front line of singers that numbered close to a half a dozen right or more right if not a whole we literally don't have room for that <laughs> we don't have room for that anymore but most of the time there was a choir right so on the stage you had a large number of people singing yep. and i think that encouraged more of this let's sing and worship the lord together kind of vibe and nowadays i mean we we're this is true of res we'll have one or two maybe three singers mm-hmm. max on the stage and a lot of of instrumentation yep which i think i don't know just maybe in our culture it 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 makes me feel like i'm at a concert more mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. it is i'm gathered with the church with the right. people of god to worship and so i just wanted to make sure that we and maybe it's maybe it's not enough i don't know i'm willing to let this be sort of a Experiment, if you will. Oh yeah, like it, it's, we we need to treat our our liturgical structures a little more fluidly. A lot I of think times. so. Don't get so hard fast because I, for me over the years it's just a where's the church at? What do we need to emphasize? Yeah, where where are we lacking? Where have we gotten distracted? Where is our thinking maybe off on some of these things? And and one of them has been for me is that I just think we're too focused on the band and. Instrumentation. I'm a musician, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm like all in with that. Uh, but I think it's just good to strip it down and let's sing. Yeah, let's hear the voices. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess the the last new thing that we've really introduced is the catechism, yep. and, and we've talked about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's what are the benefits of uh, catechisms in general? What's funny is you know we we we're doing this in our kids' church too. Yeah. So the kit yesterday was first Sunday we did it in the adult service and in the kids service the New City Catechism mm-hmm. was was done and um, on the way to last night I went to play tennis and my daughter went with me and she's eleven and I asked her I said so did you do something called the Cat- New City Catechism in kids church today and she said yes and I said well what was it and she pretty much got the question and answer back to me. And, yeah. and then she said, but I don't understand why we did that. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what happens when you take a test at school? Yep. What do you get? You get questions. And she said, I get questions and I provide the answers. And I said, so baby, this is a way for us to rehearse and learn the truth about God and about our life with him. I think is how I said it to her. Mm-hmm. And that seemed to make sense for her yeah. is that, oh, okay, this is a way for us to question, answer. That's a very basic, almost universal mm-hmm. way to learn. And, there, and there's a lot of really good catechisms out there. The Westminster Larger, Westminster Shorter. You got Luther's Catechism, on and on and on and on. There's tons. And and so I don't think that any, any person with any level of education, mm-hmm. I'm talking to a fifth grader in mm-hmm. my truck on the way to play tennis, she gets that question and answer helps me learn. Yep. So nobody's going to nobody's going to push back from the table on that. Here's where mm-hmm. I think a lot of adults push back from the table is they don't they can't connect question and answer learning with worship. Right. And so the point of my sermon yesterday was to help people say look this is a part of worship. Learning Mm-hmm. And other ways of learning, we're incorporating other ways of learning into our service other than just me or one of the other elders teaching. Mm-hmm. 
we get, we're, getting more active congregational involvement. That's exactly right. Yep. We learn through music. There, mm-hmm. There's learning happening there. Yep. But there's also learning in catechism. And and the good thing about the catechism is that it's so poignant. It's so specific. Those questions are so direct, and the answers are so specific, and all of it's rooted in Scripture. Right. That, to me, is just powerful, and it's a great way to learn. And if you yep. can, in your mind, you can, in faith, worship as you're learning. It's a great way. And, it, I mean, it took, takes all of 60 seconds mm-hmm. in a service. And you it, know what's coming next week. You know what's coming. And and, and the, the cool thing about New City Catechism is the app that you can download, and you can do it yep. at home. You can do it around the dinner table with your children. Uh, or with your family, and and just stew on that all week long. What is our only hope in life and death? We don't belong to ourselves. Yeah. We belong to God. And that that first question is taken out of the Heidelberg Catechism. Exactly right. And uh, and it's the answer is shorter, but I think I think the answer to the first question of the Heidelberg Catechism is the greatest paragraph not written in the Bible in history. <laughs> it might be where it's it's uh, what's your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Je- Savior Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood and has set me free free. From the tyranny of the devil, he also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation because I belong to him. Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. That would take a little longer than 60 seconds in our church. But isn't that so good, though? But but that's awesome. Well, and here's what else it does, too. I think it helps Christians um, put words to... You know, we can quote scripture. Like you right. can memorize text, and I am all about that. I'm all about memorizing text. But the catechism has a way of helping us put words to what's in the Bible to be able to speak and talk about it, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to 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 think. You know, when I'm going through different things in life, to be able to think biblically, I think the catechism has a way of just again deeply rooting these gospel truths in me yep so that it's when you prick me that's what i bleed right right that's that's the kind of christian i want to be mm-hmm. is I, when you prick me i bleed gospel right when 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 life hits me right between the eyes in some way or another mm-hmm. that what comes pouring out of me is not despair not humanistic thinking not selfish thought but it's gospel truth right that that that's why I think catechism can be a great tool for any church. And just don't let that word catechism scare you. Mm-hmm. I've already had a couple of people from Res that just that word tasted funny to them. Yeah, they got they got hung up on that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it just is it, that's a weird taste. I'm not sure what to do with that. It's mm-hmm. like people that drink coffee for the first time. They're like, what? <laughs> but this the, don't let that word the word just means to learn orally. Right. That, that's all that it means, is that we're going to say out loud things that we want to learn in question and answer form. And so just don't let that word catechism scare you. Um, it's, it's, it's such a great tool. Yeah. Let's move on to our Inquisition, shall we? Shall we. Does God run out of patience? 
How do we bridge the gap between understanding and application of Scripture? How do I deal with my kids who have left the faith? Does God forget our sin? Join the discussion on all these topics and more on the All 7 Days podcast, where Stan, who also happens to be my dad, and Trevor take your questions and answer them from the perspective of a couple of church members just having a discussion about spiritual matters. Subscribe to the All 7 Days podcast today on Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, or your other favorite podcast listening platform, and check out all7days.com. time for our Inquisition section. The Inquisition is uh, listener questions submitted via our Facebook group, the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge, which is, uh, I already said it's on Facebook, I'm being redundant. Uh, (laughs) I don't even know what's going on anymore, it's Monday. Uh, John Trailer asks, what is your opinion on alternative Sabbath days for people working in ministry, i.e. resting on a day that isn't Sunday because they work at a church? Um, contrary to popular belief, Bradley, you don't only work on Sunday. <laughs> uh, it's You don't only get up there, make up a sermon, and then you just hang out at home the rest of the week. Yeah. Right? That is right, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Yeah, because we are in your office on a Monday. Um, so what's, what's your typical pattern rhythm look like? Well... <sighs> In in regards to rest, yeah. well, to to me, when when we talk about Sabbath mm-hmm. biblically, Sabbath rest, yeah, that's not necessarily a cessation from labor, right? Okay, right. like you know, for example, um, Jesus did a lot of miracles on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. and the Pharisees were like. They, they, one of the primary reasons they discredited him was because of that. Yep. We don't care what work he did mm-hmm. and how powerful it was and what the miracle was. If he did it on the Sabbath, he can't be yep. from God. And even, even your harder Sabbatarian statements, like in the, uh, in the Westminster Confession, um, it even allows for what they call works of necessity and mercy. Exactly. So it, it's not just, Sit at home, don't do anything. That, that's right. And, and so you, you think about Mark, uh, the Gospel of Mark, when uh, Jesus had sent the disciples out for the first time on their own. And they come back and they're reporting all these great things that had happened, the miracles and you know, demons are subject to our authority and whatever. And he's like, look, you haven't even taken time to eat. Let's come away to a quiet place mm-hmm. and rest. Yeah. That's his statement. But as soon as they go away to the quiet place, here comes the multitude. Mm-hmm. And there, Jesus teaches them all day, and they're hungry. And he looks at the disciples that he's just told, we're going to rest. And he mm-hmm. says, you give them something to eat. And th- that, that, to me, that whole miracle is a big, fat lesson for them, yep. is that rest, Sabbath rest, really, is this rhythm of coming to Jesus, depending on him to yep. do the work that he's called us to do. So... I take a day off from work on mm-hmm. Friday. Yep. And I think that's good and godly mm-hmm. and healthy and biblical. Mm-hmm. And that, that kind of turns into your weekend as opposed to t- the typical Saturday, Sunday. That's right. Um, but I don't, and, and it's not that there aren't Sabbath elements to that. You mm-hmm. know, I spend quality time with my wife, we spend time in prayer. We, we it, it's, you know, there are things that are worshipful 
and restful that I do on Friday, but I don't treat Sunday as a non-Sabbath either Mm -hmm. for me simply because this is what I do for a living. Right. There's Sabbath rest in that, in that I'm... I'm coming to church with my people, and I'm worshiping and celebrating the goodness of God, and there's labor in it for me, but there's that's restful labor. Yeah. Sunday's my favorite day of the week. Yeah, you're still getting kind of that rechargedness to fuel you for the rest of the week. Absolutely. Like, like God intended. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I enjoy Sundays, and so I don't, I don't like pastors thinking of Sunday as a quote-unquote work day, and that's not my Sabbath. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. I think that I want my labor for Christ, even though that's my vocation. Yep. I want that to be restful, and I want want that that biblical principle of Sabbath rest to saturate what I do on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a good idea to take a day off for a pastor or any other vocational minister, Mm -hmm. you know, I need I do need a day. I need a day a week where I'm not working. Right. Um but that's not all that Sabbath is to me. So the question's a little bit wonky for me, but that I hope that answer helps. Yeah, I, th- I think that's I think that's a good way of putting it and I think um you know, this is one of those things where I would disagree with the reformed confessions of where they tend to take the entire Sabbath system from the Old Testament and just immediately plug it in mm-hmm. to the New Testament, um, where obviously the rest of the Ten Commandments, you absolutely can get that <laughs> and yeah. plugged into the New Testament, where even James White will talk about the exegetical case for that ultimately is pretty weak, uh, where ultimately Sabbath rest, obviously you need a day off. <laughs> you need to gather for worship. Uh, but you look at Hebrews and the Sabbath rest in Jesus is the fulfillment of the type and shadow of, exactly. of the Sabbath in the exactly. Old Testament. Um, next question, Jonathan Lenz. This is a, actually a really good question for both of us. They say, especially with the follow-up, how about that? They say, make your passion your profession, and you'll never have to work a day in your life, given uh, that you've done that with music and effects, and Bradley, that you're a pastor. Would you say that statement rings true for you? And I say, nope. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's still a grind. There's a grind um, everything, and, man. and at the same time, uh, God invented work, and yep. he invented work before the fall uh, mm-hmm. when he gave our first parents, the cultural mandate. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he commanded Adam to, to cultivate and to guard the garden. Mm-hmm. And, and when he didn't guard it properly, when he didn't take the serpent and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and crush its head himself, mm-hmm. that's when we fell. Yeah. So it's, it's only that work is now more difficult. Mm-hmm. It, 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 there's more toil involved. Yeah. Uh, but there is absolutely work involved, and, and I'm okay with saying that. Yeah. And, and there are some days where I get, I get to 5 o'clock or 5.30, and I am, I'm dead. <laughs> like, I'm spent, and all I want to do is plop down in front of the TV for an hour and play Call of Duty, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's okay, yeah. but it's still work, you know? Well, I think this is one of those things where we've got to be really careful that the American dream doesn't inform our yeah yeah you know our understanding of life in Christ and in the kingdom because yep. you know I realize that there are people in this country that have jobs mm-hmm. that in and of themselves are not their passion yep you know somebody may work at uh, behind the counter at a QT which is a local 
convenience store gas yep. station for us. Or for that matter, they might own a company that runs trash trucks. Exactly. Trash is probably no one's passion. But <laughs> and, and so like I just would be really careful. Like the people that have this incredible passion, for, like in your case, you've got a you've got a really good passion for all things music and guitar and and equipment. Mm-hmm. And you've turned that into a career. Right. You, you started a business and you turned into a career. And it's got its thing. You, you got the parts of it that you absolutely love to do. Yep. And then you got the parts that you absolutely hate to do. Sales. <laughs> you know, probably my best friend in 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 the world has his own business, and he loves what he does. It's a passion of his. Mm-hmm. But he hates getting to the end of the year and having to do all the tax stuff. Oh my goodness, yes. He can't stand that. But that's that's true of every career. There are things about being a pastor at a local church yeah. that I hate doing. Yeah. Yeah. I hate budgeting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hate having to go look for staff to hire. Yep. I want a great staff, but I hate the process of interviewing and looking at resumes Absolutely. and putting ads out there and all this stuff. I, I don't like that. But there's a lot about it that I love to do. And what does the scripture tell me? Mm-hmm. Whatever your hand finds to do, mm-hmm. whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Yeah. I think yeah. that's that's where we've got to be really careful not to let the American dream creep in the back door and start occupying too much space in our mind. Right. It, it kind of, the Protestant work ethic speaks to this too, yeah. where um, provided what you're doing is lawful, not sinful, et cetera, you're contributing to the world. Absolutely. E- even if all you're doing is selling shoes or, for that matter, sticking shoelaces in shoes, that contributes to yep. the world. Yep, and that, absolutely. And that's a good thing. Yep. Um, last question from Brian Morris. This is a little bit of a fun one. What is your, who, rather, is your favorite questionable or controversial theologian? (laughs) Or your favorite works by questionable theologians? And his example is, I really enjoy some of Karl Barth's work, but definitely don't recommend him for everyone. (laughs) Living or dead? I think that's open-ended. Okay. Questionable. I'll go with the controversial route. Go. Doug Wilson. (laughs) I quite enjoyed Doug Wilson. Obviously, I, I don't agree with him on everything, and I can't agree with him on everything. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, obviously the word smithiness um, and the fact that he tries, he at least attempts, even if he fails, he attempts to apply Scripture to every area of life. Yeah. So, so his book that I'm reading right now is called Plodactivity. Which is, which is about productivity through the plod and not through the sprint hmm. and doing that to the glory of God. So he has yeah. this theology of work, wealth, media, technology, hmm. etc. And he's trying to apply scriptural principles to that. Hmm. Um, now, obviously, he's waded into a whole lot of hot water in his life. And, uh, and I probably just irritated a whole lot of people by saying that I like Doug Wilson. But I like Doug Wilson. So deal with it. I, I, I guess my... F- I don't know that I would say he's my favorite, but I like him, and I think he's controversial. Sure. He may not be controversial to some, but I think in a lot of ways he is very controversial as John MacArthur. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that MacArthur, um, A, his cessationist stance. The way he states some of that. Well, I don't like his cessationist stance, period. Right. I, I, I think cessationism is, and I don't know, maybe the... 
our, I hope I don't cut your podcast listenership <laughs> in half by saying this, but I think cessationism in and of itself is unbiblical. Sure. If we want to have a conversation about that at some point, we can. Absolutely. So yeah. I, I have a problem with cessationism in general. Um, a big problem. Yeah. You know, in fact, I spoke at the college that I went to mm-hmm. two weeks ago, and I was asked, because this is a, a, a school that is a Pentecostal charismatic school historically. Mm -hmm. And they asked me, they're doing this series of messages on the different streams of evangelical Christianity because the student body is so diverse now uh, in terms of church backgrounds and what have you. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not, the student body is largely non-Pentecostal. Yeah. And so they just wanted me to get up there and talk about it. And and, um, I I said, I quoted MacArthur in, in that message where he he says probably made a couple people tense just from quoting him. Well, he says, you know, that the charismatic root movement is largely the reason the church that is in the mess that it's in today. Mm-hmm. That it just virtually, it, I think his quote was virtually every area where church life is unbiblical, i.e., prosperity gospel, mm-hmm. personality elevation, um, other things like that. You can attribute it to the charismatic movement, and I would say he's not wrong. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of problems. That the charismatic movement has brought to the uh, to the evangelical church world, but I think cessationism has equally mm-hmm. brought mm-hmm. problems to yeah. the church world, and his take on that uh, and the way he goes about it, I think, is harmful. And I would also say that the way he's handled topics like controversial topics like women preachers, mm-hmm. uh, I don't necessarily disagree with him on everything about that, right? But, but the way he he's did. handled it yeah. has been harmful, and thus he's controversial. But here's what I'd say positively. The man freaking teaches the Bible, Yep, and he is an incredible Bible scholar. Mm-hmm. Um, and aside from those one or two areas, I love listening to him unpack Scripture. Oh, yeah. He, he does not pull punches. Does not for, pull punches. For good or for ill. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I love hearing him teach the Bible. And, and I know he comes across like a royal, you know what, mm-hmm. sometimes. And just, again, the way he goes about certain things is just off-putting for many. Uh, but I can put my earbuds in and listen to him unpack, you know, the first... 10, 11 verses of Ephesians chapter 1 yeah. and just soak in, you know, his just rich exposition of Scripture. Yeah, absolutely. So Good stuff. Uh, I guess we'll leave it there then. Uh, good questions this week. Very uh, good questions. Podcast Lounge. Keep it up. Uh, so you can follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. You can subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and make sure you leave a five-star review. Help us climb those rankings. You can support the show at anchor.fm where you can donate money and help us improve. If you pledge to donate $10 a month for a year, you get your choice of a Hyperdrive version 2 or the Wycliffe Fuzz. We will live, leave you with a snippet of our new series, Will It P-Dubs, which is, <laughs> which is uh, premiering on YouTube. Uh, this one will be me demoing, if you can even call it that, the Fishman Modern Fluence Active Humbuckers. They actually sound really good. Uh, They're really more for metal, but you can make it beat up, so here's a little clip of that. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Cody from Westminster Effects with our first ever non-NAM installment of Will It P-Dubs, where we take whatever gear we can find, pair it up with some Westminster and Nose products, and see if we can get a worship tone out of it. Uh, Today, we're taking a look at the Fishman Fluence Modern 
active humbuckers to see if we can indeed get that worship tone out of them. I have a bunch of guitars. I like all of my guitars to do something, uh, a little something different from each guitar. And I haven't had a guitar with active pickups in a very long time, uh, mostly because, you know, I just think EMGs sound really shrill a lot of times, especially uh, if I'm switching between a passive guitar and an active guitar and and there's so much high-end uh, that it just it just sounds like an ice pick. So I'm going to be throwing those in my Agile AL 3100 MCC. This guitar is fantastic. It currently has Lambertone's grinders in it. And while these are fantastic pickups, uh, they're not active. So it's basically doing something that I have a bunch of other guitars that already do this same thing. So let's take a look at the materials that we're going to be using and throw them in there and see what we can ha make happen. Okay, so here's some of the materials I'm working with. We have the battery pack, which is actually really cool. You can mount it directly to the uh, back plate with that little adhesive thingy and it charges with uh, with a USB cable, which is really, really cool. You don't have to worry about uh, battery clips and all that. Here's the uh, pickups themselves with your obligatory documentation. But one of the things that's really cool is they go ahead and include your wires and your pots and all of that since it's a they're, they're using 25k pots instead of 500k like most humbuckers use. Uh, also, they include two push-pull pots, but I am supplementing those push-pull pots with some other all-parts uh, 25k push-pull pots uh, because I want to do more than their standard uh, treble roll-off and then classic and modern voicing push-pull things. I also want to coil tap both pickups. So... Here's our materials, and I'm gonna throw these in my guitar, and we'll get started. All right, so I put these pickups in yesterday. I got about 30 minutes of uh, playing time in on them last night, mostly high gain stuff, and loved them with that. And I've been messing with the pickup height to get a better clean tone, and I will say, uh, you hear everything, uh, and at the same time, these pickups are really sensitive to pickup height changes. Uh, so if you back them off too much, you'll get super clean. You, you push push them too, uh, too close to the strings and they'll just distort right away. Um, so we'll just start with the bridge, not coil tapped and on the modern voice. Um, I'll kind of let you know the first time I do stuff and then you'll just kind of have to figure it out from there. But here is some clean, quote unquote, on the bridge. <laughs> I guess I should note that I'm playing through the Westminster Effects Geneva Amps and you can buy it at westminstereffects.com. So let's go to the classic voicing. So classic, definitely a lot less gain there. Let's coil tap it. 
So that is the outside coil. I can coil tap it for the inside, and I might experiment with that uh, another time. So let's go to the neck pickup. So as you can hear, that's really, really hot. I'm probably going to go back into the pickup and they have a, a jumper option to decrease the gain. Definitely going to do that next time I change my strings. Uh, so let's go to classic. I'm not really a fan of the classic voicing on the coil tap uh, setting, uh, but I do like them a whole lot more uh, with it on the modern voice, um, and I'm always a sucker for a single coil in the neck pickups, we'll just leave that there. I'm gonna go back to the bridge pickup, slap on some Spurgeon Hall. So let's get properly P-dubs. Let's throw on some Edwards Overdrive, which you can also get at WestminsterEffects.com. And while we're at it, let's stack that Edwards with the 1689, also available at WestminsterEffects.com. So, will it P-dubs? Uh, yes, uh, with some qualifications, I would probably leave it in the classic voicing, and then when you really want some oomph, you basically kind of have a, a built-in clean boost here, and here's how that sounds. So, classic voice. So yeah, nice increase in output from there. Uh, that's obviously really good for high gain type of stuff, but the question is will it P-dubs? And 
I think, yeah, you can make it work. You might have to tweak some EQ, might have to tweak your amp a little bit, uh, anything like that. But I'm going to play this in church and I'm going to have fun with it. Check us out, westminstereffects.com. Thanks a lot.